Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. One housekeeping thing before we get going on this week's episode. I would like to let you know that within a couple weeks, all of my episodes will have sponsors attached to them. Don't freak out, okay? Don't freak out. These people have reached out to me saying they would be interested in having me say a few words about themselves and or their business um, in exchange for a sponsorship of my podcast. I'm very enthusiastic about these sponsors because every single one of them I have used personally myself, used their business, used their personal services, what have you, to further my acting career, further my life, you know, get my headspace into better space. So they've been vetted. And I'm also very enthusiastic about this because, as we all know, putting this podcast into the world has been a wonderful passion project of mine, but it is not free and not uh, it is not inexpensive. So I'm very appreciative of these people reaching out to me and wanting to sponsor the podcast. Also, big thing, again, like I said, I've vetted all these people, I've used all their services, and I want to share them with you all. They are all wonderful, incredible actor supporters, and I'm very excited about it. But again, don't freak out. I know it's a bit of a change. But again, these are all wonderful people and very, very, very much appreciate their support. If you're interested in being a sponsor, shoot me an email, secondactactors at gmail.com, and we will have a discussion to see if it is right for you. My guest this week is Kurt Evans. Now, this is kind of a hybrid industry episode, but also actor episode, because Kurt Evans is a Vancouver-based actor, as well as an acting teacher and instructor at the Vancouver Film School. The reason why this is kind of an industry episode is because he is the founder of Artist to Artist Showcase. Now, in Canada, it's a bit different than the United States. We don't have many opportunities to interact, get feedback, and perform in front of casting directors. I know in the States, this is a huge thing. There's casting director workshops all the time. In Canada, we don't have that that often. So the Artist to Artist Showcase is one of the few opportunities for Canadian actors to put their work out into the world and be seen by Canadian Canadian casting directors. And Kurt Evans is the founder of this wonderful, wonderful platform, which I have used and found I had an incredibly positive experience with the Artist to Artist Showcase. If you're interested in the showcase, there is a link below, and they'll be having a showcase starting up very soon within the next month or so. I'll let you know when that occurs. Kurt Evans has a phenomenal story about basically being an actor his entire life, acting and now instructing as well too, the massive amounts of imposter syndrome that comes with that. But also he has incredible experience and literal empathy for second act actors because he coaches a lot of them, he instructs a lot of them at the Vancouver Film School. And the idea of going from the feedback you get in in an audition room, and now that lack of it, and he uses the word sterility, which I love, the sterileness, sterility of a self-tape. Oh, this is an incredible, incredible episode. Please enjoy Kurt Evans. How did you get into acting? All right. So I started acting when I was in 
high school, uh, taking the, you know, the standard acting classes that high schools offer and, um, had, had a, had a really good, uh, drama teacher. Um, and more importantly, actually, I had a really good English teacher that saw me. One of the class projects was, you know, you had to read a poem in front of the class. So I, I was actually reading poetry at the time. I was, I was just that kind of a teenage boy, I guess. And, uh, and I loved Edgar Allan Poe and I loved, uh, the poem, uh, dream within a dream. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to read this. And, um, and I always liked, you know, performing kind of, you know, it was always something I, I enjoyed. Um, and when I stood in front of the class, I was crazy nervous. Um, and, uh, cause it was a poem and I wasn't sure how it was going to go over, but I decided just to lean into it and, and go for it. And I remember the silence after I finished and then people like actually applauded, <laughs> which was weird. And then I had the teacher approach me after class and say, I want to work with you. I want to do something with you. I'm really interested in directing you in a drama. So she ended up creating uh, a play that was like kind of just for her. Uh, she, she made a deal with the principal and I got to play um, uh, Serenade de Bergerac <laughs> when I was 17. Um, and it was a really transformative experience. Um, it was a big task. And she trusted me with it, um, not only with it, but also with editing it. Um, we had to edit the play down because it's a very long play. So we sat together in a room for hours on end, going through each and every line and actually editing it together. So right away, I was I was in in, in the headspace of kind of collaborating and co-creating and building something together. And that feeling of collaboration and of creation has stuck with me my entire life. And that's really what I, I love. I love that connection. So connection on the, on the creation end and then connection on the presentation end. So standing in front of a theater full of parents and students and, you know, acting my heart out <laughs> as my 17 year old self playing a 40 year old man, um, with a big nose and, uh, and there were people crying. <laughs> there were people weeping in the audience and I could hear it. I was on stage dying and I remember hearing and feeling the audience. And I knew from that moment on that this was something I had never felt before. And I wanted to feel it again. Um, it was, it was, it wasn't a sense of sense of like triumph. It was a sense of unity. It was a sense of community. It was a sense of connection and I loved it and I needed it. And I, and, and I moved towards it every chance I got. So high school, uh, you know, that was, the, we did some other stuff and I got to play in a, in a Shakespeare play and all that. And it was, it was great fun. And then my mom clipped out this little newspaper article says, it's saying, um, uh, looking for actors for a, uh, a murder mystery, improvised murder mystery. And my mom, who's like the sweetest woman in the world, <laughs> she clips it out of the newspaper. She's like, Kurt, you know, you really like that acting thing. You know, maybe, maybe you should phone. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. 
Anyway, I phoned the number. That phone number eventually became my phone number because I ended up marrying the woman who was directing that show. So it was, uh, it was quite a journey from that stage to, you know, our marriage, of course, but I did, I can't remember how many shows we did. I think we probably did 40 shows together in that time span. We did improvised murder mysteries. We did straight up plays. We did lunchbox theater. We did, um, fringe shows. We traveled with the fringe. Uh, I went to all over the place, uh, doing all sorts of shows and it was so much fun. Um, and I met amazing people who were so much better than I was that I got to learn just a ton from being on stage with them and, uh, and learning what it was all about to be an actor and make no money (laughs) because really that's the reality of a stage actor, especially an independent stage actor. You're, you're not in it for the money. You're, you're in it for the experience and for the joy of it and for that connection. So that's how I got started. And that was actually all in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I'm from. Um, and so I knew that I probably couldn't make a living as an actor in Winnipeg unless I got extremely lucky and was well liked by all the artistic directors because it was going to be theater mostly. Um, and, uh, I, I, I kind of wanted to f- figure out if I could do acting for television. And there was a one TV show being shot in Winnipeg. I had uh, no experience on camera, zero. Um, I went to the audition, completely terrified, knowing not what to expect at this, except I had a scene, two scenes that I had to do. Um, and it said, you should bring in a song that you can whistle. <laughs> and it has to be copyright free. <laughs> so I was like, Okay. Well, luckily I can do a pretty good Disney whistle. (laughs) So I decided to, uh, do that. And I walk in the room, didn't know what I was doing. The casting director, I I can't even remember who actually was casting director. It was for a show called the adventures of Shirley Holmes, who is the great, 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 great granddaughter of Sherlock Holmes. And she finds the little, uh, investigation kit in the attic. And she decides to start investigating things around her small town, which was Winnipeg. Um, I think it lasted a couple seasons, but anyway, this was a guest star role. I booked it my first audition, uh, and, uh, like just amazed, uh, a crazy, amazing experience. I remember talking to the producer at one point saying like really excited 18 year old me, um, you know, this is, this is my first job on set. And she says, Oh yeah, well maybe it won't be your last. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's encouragement or if that's like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to take that. Um, but it was a great experience. It was, it was super fun and it got me hooked on TV. So I looked West and, uh, obviously Vancouver was kind of a hotbed for, uh, stuff at the time. X-Files was being shot out here and I really liked X-Files and I thought, Hey, maybe I can get on that show if I get out there quick. So I finished my university degree, which was in education four-year degree right after high school. And all throughout that, I was performing on stage in Winnipeg, um, pretty much unrelated to university. Uh, and, uh, and then moved out here and got an agent and started the process. It was, um, it's been a, it's been an interesting road since then, but, uh, yeah, for the last 25 years I've been here. Did you have any formal theater training? Formal theater training outside of the university education uh, uh, department that I was part of. Um, yeah, that would probably be it. It was uh, 
my, my, I majored, I double majored in English and drama. So I was taking all of the classes that a formal theater student would be taking, except for the production classes. Mm. So I wasn't in those production classes, but we did mime, we did improv, we did voice, we did movement, we did all sorts of stuff. And of course, scene study. Um, and all of the production stuff, it was really not that big of a deal for me not to be a part of because I was already doing so much. I was, I was in countless plays throughout the year. So it, it didn't feel like a big loss for me. And plus I, then at the end of it, I was going to have a, a bachelor of education degree that my mom thought was a good idea to have just to fall back on. So, you know, moms, right. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of how it all, uh, began. Uh, yeah. And so you get to Vancouver and begin to build. Has it been, what has that been like over the last couple decades? Has it been kind of a steady climb for you or what has the career been like? Yeah. So uh, it's always been up and down. Um, acting is a roller coaster. You have peaks, you have valleys. If you get lucky, you can get into a groove, which can lead you to another gig and another gig and another gig. And those have happened for me and those have been fantastic. Um, and then there have been droughts. Uh, there have been months that I haven't booked anything, haven't worked at all. Uh, and so I realized pretty quickly that I had to have something going on besides just acting. And I did a number of different jobs when I first started out. I mean, I, I did the classic, you know, waiting tables. Um, I also started to look into doing some subbing for, uh, for teaching because I had my bachelor of education degree, but, and subbing is on call. So you can say no, if you have to, and da, 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 da. I didn't actually end up doing that because, uh, on set, I ended up meeting with a guy who was running a theater school in Vancouver, Bill Marchant, who was, who was the head of department for Vancouver film school acting department back in, when would this have been? Probably, uh, two, th- no, 2005, somewhere around there. I think I met Bill earlier in that though. I think I met Bill in 1999 and, uh, and he said, Hey, you know, why don't you come and sub some classes and stuff? So I started doing that. Um, and, uh, and I found that to be fantastic for a number of reasons. Um, not the least of which is that it fed me as an actor. It, it, it really did feed me. I got to be a better actor because I was a teacher. Um, and, and that was such an unexpected gift. So I still do that. I still teach on the side. Um, I teach probably about four or five classes per week at Vancouver film school. Right now I teach uh, audition technique. I teach acting for the camera and I teach a class called performance studies where we watch movies and talk about performances that we see. So I've been doing that for the last 17 years, the exact age of my daughter. <laughs> um, cause you know, it's nice to be able to pay rent and feed your child <laughs> on a consistent, on a consistent basis, um, in a guaranteed kind of way. It also really takes the pressure off of booking the job when you go in the room, uh, or when we used to go in the room, cause that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> um, so look, there have been a lot of changes over the years, but, um, to answer your specific question, it's a roller coaster. It's up and down. You need to have something on the side. 
And, uh, and so, yeah, I built those different things for myself to be able to sustain the, the, the life that I love and that, and that, that feeling that I talked about at the very beginning about connecting and, and that communion of, of this art. I think it's really special and unique and, and it's, and it's something that not everyone gets to experience, but everyone has experienced it as, at least as an audience member. Um, and it feels just as great as a performer. Uh, if not better. I think that's a big reason why there are so many of, as I have now dubbed second act actors, right? Like people who have had a career in whatever way, shape or form or life in whatever way, shape or form, and are now changing into a more creative performative career. Because like you were saying, it's always been there. And if you've kind of experienced a little bit of that at some point in your life and liked it, it's, it's addicting, but it's also a lovely community that I know is missing. And I know for a fact it's missing from the vast majority of like corporate jobs and stuff like that out there. And that's why I think there's such a hole that people have if they don't have something like that. I end up teaching a lot of these people as they come through Vancouver Film School. Mm -hmm. um, there's quite a few people who come through the program who want to try it out. And so they decide to take a year off of their career and commit to a film school. And, you know, we put them through the paces. And by the end of it, they have a really clear idea whether or not this is something that they want to pursue. Typically they do in some way. Um, and, uh, and hopefully we give them the tools to be able to help pursue it. But it is, and the thing that I hear from them is that exactly that story, you know, them looking down the barrel of another 20 years of this right? Or whatever it might be. And wondering, what am I missing? What do I need? What do I want? What, what, what really feeds me besides having a good paycheck <laughs> and security, family and all that stuff? What else do I need here in this world, in this life? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they, they, you know, a lot of times we've got some experience as an actor, whether it's, you know, in high school or I think it, it actually all goes all the way back to play when we were kids, you know, that, that sense of like the game that we're going to play with our Barbies or our, our action figures or our cars or whatever it might be. And the commitment to that play and the joy of that play and the communion of that play, you know, like, okay, you get to be this person and I get to be, and we're going to do this and you're going to, and you know, that, that is a part of theater. It's private theater, but it's theater. And it's, and it's that same kind of sense of, uh, of wonder and of commitment and connection that you get when you're on stage. Um, and so I think we all have a, a, an intrinsic connection to it. Um, you know, somewhere in our soul, we know what this is and it pulls to us and we all want to be kids again at some level, right? We all want to have that sense of play and we felt it once and where is it and can I reach it? And, uh, and if you can let go if you can commit to being in the moment and getting out of your head, your adult head, uh, you know, you've got a good shot at, at really finding that joy of your six year old self. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still six. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully right? yeah. And so, you know, I think you have such a unique perspective coming at this from not just an, an actor, but as a, as a teacher, but also a teacher of actors, right? Yeah. Like it's such a, a great 
blend of being able to not just observe other actors around you and teach them, but also like as an actor yourself, being able to like literally empathize with your students and the community. That's, it's pretty, I think a pretty special thing to be doing. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, And like I said, I do get a lot out of it. Um, Especially when I first started out, you know, immediately when you start teaching, I, I think when you start any career or any job that has authority, you have an imposter syndrome. So even though I had so much experience and so much education when I started um, teaching, you know, you feel this weight of responsibility of being the person who has the knowledge. (laughs) And I had to learn how to relax that and empathize and connect with my students and, and realize that a lot of it for me as a teacher is, is performance. You know, these are, these are, this is a play that I've done now hundreds of times, this, this lesson plan, you know? Um, and, and so getting up in front of the, the, the class feels kind of like that. Um, it feels a bit like, here we go. All right. You're my audience. Awesome. I'm here to not just entertain you though. <laughs> I need to, I need to pull you along this journey. And I find that that's a really interesting uh, experience as well. Like watching the journey of a student from day one, because I see them day one and I work with them on day one of the program and you, very close to their very last day is with me again. So I get to really see the arc of that journey and go on that journey with them every single time. So it's, it's always fascinating. And each one, each, each student has a different perspective and a different kind of angle of approach and different strengths, different weaknesses, different loves, different joys. And, and it's, uh, it's a great journey to be part of. So I get to see, I get to watch, you know, all of those stories unfold. Do you notice any differences? And I don't mean to say like one is good and one is bad, but just like, do you notice any just differences in the actors who are say fresh out of high school and now they're coming into theater school or compared to people like say myself or other second act actors who are coming into this after a different career as a teacher, but also if you've ever had experience, say in the theater or on set with someone who, you know, has never been to say a classical theater school. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So there's, I mean, there's, there's huge differences between those people because the people that are coming in as second act actors are usually more mature than the average 19, 20 to 20, three-year-old, which is kind of the average age of uh, a student at VFS is between 18 and 25. Um, but I've had, I've taught many 30-year-olds, many 40-year-olds, some 50-year-olds even coming through. And they come in with a lot of different life experiences as well. You know, like when I ask a a, a, a 20-year-old to be in a scene with um, that, that is about um, a relationship that has gone on for, you know, five years with someone, they have usually no experience with something like that, you know, the, the all, all and everything that goes around along with that. Right. So a lot of it is life experience, being able to bring all of your life experience. So in a lot of ways, the second act actors or the, or the, you know, the slightly older actors are, uh, are at an advantage because they have all of that life experience to be able to bring to whatever part that they're creating. Um, and younger actors, what you often see them doing is emulating older, uh, actors or, or, or things that they've seen, right. Um, modes of, modes of play, 
uh, and modes of performance that they've witnessed. So they can, you know, they can access it that way. They can access it in their imagination. And if they commit enough and if they dig enough into the details of what it is that they're doing, um, they can, they can get to that level, um, to, to almost mimic the life experience that someone else might actually have. But that's, that's a big one. Um, you know, and you've got all sorts of reasons why people go to school, go to a theater school, uh, when they're 19, 20. And a lot of those priorities are very different than someone who's going to the school at 30 or 40. Um, so, you know, you, you see those differences clearly as well. I've said this many times on this show to many people, and I'll probably keep saying it forever. If, if I had gone into theater school at age 18, 19, I don't think I'd still be acting now at almost 40, just because I think I, because again, like you were saying, my prior, and everyone's unique, obviously, but my priorities at that time would not have aligned with now what I see need to be the priorities of somebody who's acting and enjoying and for the love of it. And also I was an idiot, you know, like I didn't know anything about myself as I think most people are, as you should be, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be an idiot, Absolutely. right? So, hey, your twenties yeah. are all about learning with you, learning about yourself. Oh, absolutely, and just making you know bad decisions and then learning from it, whether or not you do. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's a, I like the the maturity the maturity piece, of course. Uh, you know, the financial stability is a huge thing. I think that I think nobody likes to talk about, but you mentioned at the very beginning, as soon as you have a bit of that, it takes the pressure off, and it doesn't put the pressure on your art to be the financial right? You're not depending on it. You're not, it doesn't owe you money kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you don't have to book this gig. You don't have to, the desperation isn't there. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about maybe starting film school, taking a sabbatical to go to film school or just craving a change? Well, take a chance, you know, I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have to go to film school. There are a lot of, there are a lot of great classes out there that you could take. I would recommend taking some classes before you um, introduce yourself to the industry. I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes actors make is, is taking that first step before they feel like they're ready uh, and putting themselves out there uh, before they're on the same level as all of the other actors out there trying to make a stab at it. So, you know, prepare yourself properly. Um, you know, you want to, especially in this day and age, <clears throat> there's quite a lot of technical elements that you kind of get, got to get your handle on. Uh, doing self tapes <clears throat> is critical. So you've got to get that. You've got to get that space. You've got to get that tripod, get the, you know, uh, know how to work your phone to be your camera and where to put your reader and all the stuff that comes around. So there's, there's a number of things like that. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, I, my biggest piece of advice is to not quit your day job, <laughs> you know, not, not stop that other stream of income, whatever it might be. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to take time off, if you save money and you're going to take time off to take classes in a dedicated way, awesome. Um, uh, you know, more power to you that you can actually afford to do that because it's, it's costly, especially as an adult to be able to take a year off and spend whatever it is to go to a, a theater school. 
Um, so have all those kind of ducks in the row and, and, uh, go in with a sense of play, a sense of fun, a sense of adventure and reconnect always with that feeling that got you to that first step. Um, know what that is, write it down, you know, explore it. Um, and always try to be moving towards it. Uh, it's very, very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to lose sight of the thing that, that got you to this place. So, um, and there's going to be disappointment, you know, as soon as you graduate or as soon as you start actually submitting to casting directors, um, you know, the rate, the ratio of auditions that you're doing compared to the number of jobs that you're actually going to book is even larger now than it used to be two years ago because of self tapes. I mean, there, there has been a massive shift in the last two years because of COVID. The industry was dabbling in self tapes prior to this. Now it is the standard. It is the norm and it is not going away. So you need to first get good at self tapes. Um, and you have to get comfortable with not performing live, not walking into a room and giving it. Um, that's something I miss in the self tape world right now. You know, that idea of standing outside a casting office, Kurt, you're on deck. Gotcha. I know what that process is for me. I've got 10 minutes to really get into that moment of just before I walk on stage, casting door opens. Okay, Kurt, come on up. We're ready for you. I come in. I know exactly what this moment is. There's my audience. Greet the audience. I know all the rhythms of this thing. And I'm prepared to share my whatever I've created with the room. All of that is gone. So I've got, I've got the self tape that I have to somehow bring that spirit into that space, whatever space I create. And also remember that a perfect performance is never the performance that you want to submit. The best performances are performances that have a little bit of things that you didn't plan, you know? So I learned pretty early on as an actor that the ratio of the plan compared to the thing, the stuff I've never actually experienced was about 80% to 20%. So 80% of this audition should be something that I've, I've prepared something that I've, I've really mapped out and made specific choices on. But 20% of this has to be something new, has to be something that I've never actually felt before in this take. Every take has to have that 20%. So where am I going to find, how am I going to find that 20%? And a lot of actor training is about learning how to connect to that 20%. It's about learning how to connect to the other person that you're reading with and the moment of inspiration between you and that person and the events that are depicted in the scene. So finding a way to, to lose yourself in that 20% and still hold on to the 80 plan is the real trick of acting and you know, it, whatever, whatever mathematical ratio you want to give it, 
um, there's always got to be that element of surprise and that element of chaos and that element of, uh, of, of like, I, I'm not quite sure where I am, but this is exciting because if it's exciting for you, it'll be exciting for the audience. So finding a way to do that by yourself is way more challenging than it was in the room because in the room I had all this different energy that I had to contend with. I had the energy of the nervous casting director. Is Kirk going to mess this up? Is he going to embarrass me for bringing him into this? You know, okay, I've got that. I've got the director. Hmm, could this be the person that I wanted for my role? You know, I've got the camera operator. Oh my God, when's lunch? Uh, I've got the reader who usually wants to be an actor. So they're like, do you need anything? Are you ready? Can I, can I get you? You know, are you, are you okay? Okay. Whenever you are, you know, I'm going to, do. <laughs> you know, so you've got all these variables of audience members who are bombarding your presence with their energy. And that 20% was naturally inclined to lean into blending with all of those energies, right? With playing with that stuff. But in a self tape session, it's, it's sterilized right? It's, it's, you, it's well known. There are no surprises, right? It's a room that you've built with a camera. So I encourage people to find ways to build surprises for themselves. I encourage people to, you know, when they do a self tape to get it in one or two takes, don't do not give yourself the freedom to do infinite takes while you record is not the moment that you want to be rehearsing and practicing this. So be disciplined before you start self-taping and get completely off book and ready to perform. And what that means for me is making sure that you, I've stood up with the material. I've actually embodied the thing. I know I've imagined where the camera will be. I have imagined where the reader will be as I'm rehearsing and as I'm plotting out all my eyelines and all the world that I'm going to build here. And I completely live in it 100%. I have to, I have to be in that place of absolute connection and freedom, looking for that 80, 20, even by myself in rehearsal. And when I get to that place of, of, uh, being, being ready for that moment and being ready for, to let in that, some of that stuff that I'm, I I haven't planned, then I know I'm ready to actually record the self tape. So that's been the challenge and, and my process for the last two years. That is so helpful because I think that's that's such great tangible advice to avoid. I like the term uh, that you what did you say sterile or whatever. I love that because well my my doctor self loves that word. <laughs> like it was it's curated right because you have the time to curate perfection, and I think that's a really good thing to hear. Even though we hear it all the time, but just to hear it again about how. It's okay to be imperfect because so much of I know myself personally wants to control as many variables as possible because so much of the industry is out of our control. So what I can control is the perfect self tape that I send over, which is as I'm learning being in this for two years now, not what I should be doing because that's this curated whatever successful experiment. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult balance um, because yeah, your, your intellectual self wants to have that perfection. It really, it really, you know, and, and that, and that amount of power and control is, is nice to have in an industry where you don't um, often have it. So I, I completely get it. Um, But as an actor and as a director and as a teacher, I, I see, 
I see that mistake made a lot. Um, and you get good performance. You can get good performance. You can get like a decent kind of run of a scene. You can, uh, you know, you can get a passing grade. You can get even in the, you know, nineties maybe. Um, but will you inspire? Probably not. That will be much more difficult if it's, if it's, if you just stick to plan, if you just stay in intellect, um, you've got to be engaged in the chaotic mess of the moment. Um, and yeah, it is something we hear all the time. How do you do it? That's the question. How do you, and how do you nurture it? How do you, how do you actually start making the chance of that happening better for yourself, which is, I think the most important question as an actor, I'm still trying to answer and find, and that journey is interesting. So that's, that's something that still draws me into the idea of self-taping three times a week, four times a week, however many times a week it is. What made me think about what you were just saying there is like, how do you nurture it? But also how do we know that we're doing it well? No, 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 well is not the right word, but like, how do we know that we're actually doing that? Like, is it coming across on the screen? Like, because we get no feedback from the self tapes we send off into the void. I know. If you're lucky, you have an agent who watches your tapes and is saying like, good. Um, but most of the time I'm hearing from people, they're like, I'm going to send it away. And who knows? It felt like it was good and I didn't hear anything. Yeah. So this is the other, this is the second biggest problem that's occurring right now. Um, and the, and the other thing that I, I really miss about auditions, um, is that even if the casting director said nothing to me, I would still get feedback. There was still an energy exchange. You know, I could see in their face, I could see in their eyes, I could feel the camera guy go, you know, I could feel, I could feel the, I could see the reader in tears. I could see, you know, like, there were things that were being communicated in that moment of performance that are impossible to communicate with with a self tape. So you feel isolated. You feel, um, you know, like you're completely outside of the experience of the performance. And when you send it away, yeah, it's usually crickets. The only time that I get feedback on anything besides my agent going, Oh, that was really nice. You know, and that's what else is your agent going to say, <laughs> except for that sucks. And I don't want you on my roster Do anymore. Again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I've never actually gotten that. So I'm, I'm happy. Um, I have heard of that happening. Uh, but the, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of left in the dark in terms of, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, doing your best work and, and you like going, Oh, that was so great. And afterwards you're like, yes, I totally felt that. And then, you know, you listen and it's just silence in the theater and you have to kind of maybe think that maybe someone out there will hear this. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a really difficult place that we're in right now. And I think, you know, we're trying to figure out how to, how to properly address it. We're, we're talking to, you know, the union and we're talking to casting directors and we're trying to communicate what this feels like right, like right now as an actor but the weird thing for me is that I know what it was like, you know, I know what it was like to walk into a casting office to meet those directors, those casting directors, those readers, all those people to have those, that community. Um, 
And so as a, as a young actor or as an emerging actor or as a second act actor coming into the industry in the last two years, the thought of not ever meeting a casting director makes no sense to me. Like it's so outside of my experience as a blue collar working actor. Like my, my job was auditioning. That was my job, right? I would go on, I would, I would do my job maybe three or four times a week and, uh, I would experience that job and that job has shifted tremendously now. So the, the, I mean, I can't tell you the number of lessons that I learned from working with casting directors, good and bad. Um, but those experiences were invaluable to me, uh, becoming the actor that I was when I was in my twenties, I, without, without any kind of, oh man, direction or any kind of feedback or any kind of redirect, any kind of conversation, energy exchange, none of it. It's, it's a uh, daunting. There is, there are, there's one casting directing office in Toronto, the forest sisters that are still doing zoom live auditions and some commercial casting directors, uh, or most ca- commercial casting directors are doing still in person live auditions. Um, which is great. And I would like to see more. I think the only time we're ever going to be live is probably going to be over zoom and it'll probably be a callback. And then if they do a chemistry read, they might bring you into a room together. They might have some kind of system for that, but right now it's uh, it's very isolating. So, which is a lot of reason why I, I chose to create uh, artist to artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my kind of hope for a segue there being like, yeah. how do we get feedback? <laughs> my agent told me about this thing where you can get feedback. <laughs> did, yes. did your agent tell you about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. she, sends us, she sends us um, anytime there's a showcase. She's like, guys, hey, 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 hello. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, <laughs> this is really, really awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad she, is it a she? I don't yep. know who your agent is. Yeah, but, Ritter, okay. Ritter Talent Agency in Toronto. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that they send it off. I do send off the information to all the agents. Um, and I, and I hope that it gets passed around because, um, look, I created artist to artist because as a teacher, I would see just so many students go through the program and, and me saying to them, you know, I think you've got a place here. I think, I think you can do this, you know, and it's, I, I, I don't necessarily say that to every single person that goes through the program, but it was so heartbreaking to see the ones that I had said it to and the ones that I really believed in and who believed in themselves be crushed by an industry that was so difficult to get into because there are so many people wanting to get in. You know, you've got these, you've got gatekeepers, right? You've got agents, you've got casting directors you've got directors. And so finding a way through those paths is difficult. And when I started, there were things called go-sees or pre-screens where you would go in and meet a casting director one-on-one, no camera operator, no reader, nothing. The camera, the casting director was usually the reader and no, it was just a conversation. And then, you know, maybe we'll read a scene. Um, and I got to meet, I think three of the casting directors in Vancouver that way. But I mean, I still remember my very first. So X-Files was the dream, right? It was like, hey, let's get on X-Files. So here I am going in to see a casting director who casts X-Files, Corrine Mares. 
Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is nerve wracking. I am terrified. I've got three scenes and, uh, and it's for a show called millennium. And I was playing a deputy cop and, uh, three, three lines separated by three scenes. It was like, we spot the van on I-95 and, uh, and we've got him under, uh, under arrest. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know where he is or something like that. Like just like three very different lines and, and scattered throughout three different scenes. And I remember going in and just being terrified and, uh, and I did, she, she's like, nice to meet you. Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. Did the conversation. And I, I think I was like 24 at this time, 24, 25. And, uh, and she's like, great. Uh, let's do the scene. I did the scene. She's like, fantastic. Can you come back at two o'clock and audition for the director and the producer? I'm like, for, for this episode, for this part, she's like, yeah, I'm like, yes, yes. It was like 10 AM. So I go off and I sit for four hours getting bored after the first 30 minutes. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to work this. I'm just going to rehearse it. So I start rehearsing it, found a little corner in a garden nearby the studio. And I started running it over and over and over again. And in the middle of rehearsing, I'm like, I'm, this is different. There's something else here. And let me play with that. And I tried playing with it and everything. And I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. I, I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to go in. I'm going to do this instead. So I go in the room and there's a director and the producer. And this is, this was a big lesson. There's a bunch of big lessons here, but one of the big lessons was I have to be excited about what I'm doing in the room. I have to be excited and interested about the creation that I'm about to share. If I'm not, it's dead. It's going to be dead. So I was, I, I, I was doing that, although I didn't intellectually understand what I had done. So I wasn't nervous about meeting them because I had something to show them. And I actually had something to show the casting director as well. So I did, I did my audition and I remember, I distinctly remember the look on Corrine's face because it was like, she didn't say a word. She just looked at me. She went, you not only did what you did this morning, but you did it better. And that bought me, I, I, I got that role, which was, amazing. That was like my second audition in Vancouver. Um, and, uh, and I had many, many opportunities with that casting office throughout the years. But so those meetings, those pre-screens, that little thing that I had with Corrine, where she got to see what I could do and maybe bring me in for the session later that afternoon. What a great way to meet people, right? Spend the morning where you meet new people. And in the afternoon you run the audition for it. Well, that doesn't happen anymore at all. I mean, it's so, so very rare. So I was seeing all these people go through the program that I loved. I loved their work. I loved their spirit. I loved the contribution that they can make to the community as an actor. And I see them quitting after two years, after three years of not booking, not meeting all the, even all the casting directors in the city, you know, maybe one or two knows who you are. That's not enough. This is a numbers game. You've got to have everybody. You've, you've got to, you've got to make sure that you're known by everyone. They got to, they got to understand a little bit of what you can give because there are so few parts that, you know, you would be just perfect for that they're going to miss you for if they don't have you on their radar. So how do you get on the radar? Well, you rely on your agent to push you in to those casting offices, right? Now, um, so, so that's pre COVID, right? So that's 2019. I was like, this is not like the system that we have, even when people went into the casting office, wasn't quite working for emerging actors. So how do I build something that is going to introduce emerging actors to casting directors the way that it used to work? 
And so I built Artist to Artist, which is a actor showcase platform where an actor will submit a two-minute scene. That two-minute scene will be looked at by at least two industry professionals. These people are working actors or they're working actors and teachers like myself. Um, and they've got good hearts and they want to, you know, encourage and nourish and give some reality to what they, they're watching in terms of giving feedback. So they will write out uh, a feedback a feedback for your performance for your two minute scene. So you'll get two of those and they also tick some boxes and give you a numeric score. I, the idea of a numeric score for acting is like, uh, it's hard, <laughs> but I had to do it because what I needed to do is I needed to create a top 10 so that the top 10 could then get the chance to actually meet the casting director and actually have a one-on-one audition or conversation or whatever it was that the casting director wanted to do. Cause each one wants something a little bit slightly different to be involved. So, you know, the casting directors are donating their time um, because this is part of their job, right. To meet people in the industry and, and supporting the initiative of nurturing emerging actors is something that people should want to get behind because it's really the soul of our industry. I mean, if we, if we lose the ability to bring in talent, then productions that come up here are going to find a wasteland, uh, you know, of actors who, you know, have, are, 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 have never worked. Um, so we want, we want to encourage people to, to be in this industry and to know that there's something out there besides crickets when you send in a self tape, you know, some kind of encouragement to say, you're on the right track. Keep going. You will find a place. I mean, there are actors out there that wait decades before their break. You know, I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've had a lot of good, good luck, uh, and, and some great experience in the industry. And it was a lot, uh, a lot to do with the, those connections that I made with casting. So I wanted to help find a way to encourage those connections. So I thought, okay, well, here's a curated list of 10 actors that you haven't met yet that are desperate to meet you in this city right now. Here you go. Um, and I can guarantee that there are always 10 pe- at least 10 people in the city that need to see this casting director that haven't. Because I was one of them. There, there are casting directors in Vancouver that didn't see me for 20 years. And why? Well, it's because maybe my agent's relationship with them wasn't as good as my agent's relationship with the other casting directors. So they just didn't trust my agent as much, right? And if you're a starting actor, you're going to go with an agent that maybe doesn't have those relationships as strongly as someone who might. So it becomes doubly difficult for you as a starting emerging actor. So there's a lot of hiccups along the way, a lot of roadblocks. And I thought, I'm just going to try to build a platform that is not financially burdensome (laughs) to an actor that can, if even if they don't get in the top 10, they're going to get some feedback on their work from professional actors and teachers. And they're going to be able to get a sense of where they sit in the realm of that, that bar, that professional level acting bar. Um, and then of course, there's other things that come along with it. If you don't have an agent, you can get submitted to every agency in the city. If you make it into the top 20 of people looking for agents, we do free workshops all the time, all that stuff. So yeah, um, that's, that's what we've been doing since 2019. Uh, and we've had probably about 12 or 13 showcases and we're just about to start one now, although this 
episode of this show won't air until after <laughs> it's completed, but we will be having regular showcases throughout the year. So go to artist two, the number two artist.ca to learn more. <laughs> I will link it in the show notes below. <laughs> there you go. I'll send you a poster. I'll send you, you know, we've got a little one minute video introduction on our YouTube channel. So check that out. There's all sorts of ways to kind of get informed, but the best way is to really head to the website and, and just take a look. There's, I think, I think actually another, uh, a resource on that website that is often, I, I don't, I don't know if it's being used as much as it really should be, but there's a record of the top 10 from the last 10 showcases, I think. And, uh, and so you can see all of the self tape auditions that people have put together that got them into the top 10. What a great way to study the right things to do. You know, the right lighting, the right camera, the right stories to tell, the right, all that stuff, the right connection, the right preparation, the right authenticity, you know, how to find it. That's your journey. But there's an example of, of, of work that got someone into that room and got to meet uh, a casting director and have that connection bridged. I think it's, it's really hard, I think, especially in Canada, like you were saying, obviously, to make these connections with casting directors, because not only are we virtual and not making the not in the room anymore, but up here in Canada, at least, I know I do have a lot of listeners from the States, but in the States, there is quite a big catalog of casting director workshops you can take. That's like part of their acting training almost where here in Canada, I think it's also probably a huge business. Um, money making here in Canada. We don't really have that. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to go to such and such and such workshop. Probably also because there is not that there aren't that many casting directors in Canada as well, too. Where in the States, it's just like kaboom. But yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I know you've probably heard of all the workshops in the States and stuff. Look, um, Casting director workshops uh, can be can be good. There there are casting directors out there with really big hearts and with the right mentality of it. Right, there are casting directors that do workshops that end up donating all the money. Like they they might charge whatever it is, but that's usually shared by the studio that is actually hosting that casting director workshop. Um, so I've been to a bunch of casting director workshops, especially when I first started out, because I wanted to know what it was like. And, and there are some in Vancouver that still do them occasionally. I think Candace Alzinga actually does a few and she, I know, donates, I think all of the money that she gets from them. Um, as we also donate a portion of our, each submission to uh, the actor fund of Canada. So, you know, we're not, we're not. I'm not in it to make a, 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 a million here. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, and most casting directors want to share that information that they have in some way without taking advantage of the dream. You know, um, there are some bad apples though. And I think back in 2015, maybe 2010, there were, casting director workshops in the United States where if you didn't take the casting director workshop, you would not get an audition for the show that they were casting for. So if you did not pay them $500, $250, whatever it was for that workshop, then they would not see you for that show because they didn't know you. 
Um, and so the Casting Society of America really put a foot down on that and that said, absolutely, this is not something that we endorse. This is not something that is going to be allowed. And so productions got on board with that. And so many productions now forbid casting directors from doing any kind of workshop, especially in Canada. Like then the Canadian casting directors have been really great about this. It was rarely taken advantage of in Canada. Like rarely were there casting directors in working in Canada that were hosting these and they were uh, exploitative, right? You had some casting directors coming up from the States that I found kind of odd. Like, why am I? Why do I really want to meet this casting director from the United States when they will never cast me? They can't cast me. Like, I mean, okay, so I get some information about them and I'll be able to learn some some insights about the U.S. market and what their brain works like and what they see in actors and all that stuff. But there's better places to learn that. Um, and so spending that money is is incredibly burdensome for an American actor, I would imagine. Um, you know, I, I, to think that you've got to spend $500 to, to meet a casting director or just to get, kind of get on their radar is, is abhorrent. Um, you know, it, it really shouldn't be the way that things are run. And if, and if I had my way, artist to artist would be free, you know, and I wouldn't have to charge anything as it is. I charge as little or as, as, as little as I possibly can. Um, it's basically like the the amount of a coaching session for an hour, right? So between fifty five and sixty five dollars for uh, to submit a scene for the showcase, and hopefully you get enough stuff with that to equate that to being valuable. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 really hard for a, a, a starting actor to kind of navigate that minefield of workshops. I ended up getting, I ended up getting taken advantage of when I started out, I came out here, I had one contact in a agency that wasn't really an agency. Um, and I was told that I would be perfect for a workshop weekend workshop with an actor coming up from LA. And usually the actors had to audition to get into this workshop, but they weren't going to make me audition because, you know, family friend and all. And it was only $500. And I had come to Vancouver. I think I had $4,000 on my account when I came. I was like, I built up a little nest egg to have. And, you know, it's like, ooh, 500 bucks. Okay. Well, this sounds like a good opportunity. And she's telling me, and, you know, maybe I should do it. I'll, 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 I'll do it. So I did the workshop. I got a scene to prepare, came to the first day of the workshop. And I realized that the actor teaching the workshop was a background actor from LA. He never worked a, a even a principal role or an actor role on film and TV. How do people sleep at night? How? Right. I know. Oh my God. I was so pissed off. <laughs> I, yeah, I completely severed ties with, and that this is what you need to do. You need, you need to make a judgment call and understand that it's up to you to navigate the minefield. And there are going to be people who will try to take advantage of you. Um, there are going to be, you know, classes that are going to lose their benefit for you after a while, you know, study with a wide variety of teachers go. If, if someone offers to an auditing session in a class, take it because it's, it's free or it's at a greatly reduced rate where you're just watching what's happening in the class. You will learn a lot just from watching. There are ways to, you know, to, to do this and, 
And there's information out there about, you know, suggestions on how to navigate it and stuff like that. And I, I suggest you go out and you do some research and you find out who are the, the, the great teachers in this city. Who, where is that information that I need to find in my city to be able to navigate this? Um, and, uh, and hopefully you find some, some people that can help you, uh, because it is, uh, you know, a bit of a daunting task and it's very easy to get taken advantage of and to get discouraged. Um, and I think that's the worst thing to happen to, to have your heart hurt by this is, is awful. Um, you know, I, I ended up getting lucky after that and finding an agent that was great and, uh, and really informed and, uh, and, and helped me kind of get into the place that I needed to be as a young 20 something actor in Vancouver in the nineties, way back when (laughs) I'm so old. Well, I think it's hard because not only do we get actors who are fresh out of high school and like ripe for being taken advantage of just because they just don't have the, I wouldn't have had the cognitive wherewithal to know what's a scam and what's not. And you kind of come with a bit of stars in your eyes. But also, again, you're, I think even people who are there, you know, the second act actors who I sometimes feel like, oh, my BS meter is through the roof. Like I had no problem. I 100% have gotten scammed because now how can we not when we're just learning about the industry, right? Like it's so tough. And I agree with you. It's so discouraging also because so much of acting is opening up your heart and emotions um, where almost every other job is like, no, close it off. So when you're like trying to learn how to do that and then you get scammed and it's like hitting you, that just adds to the discourage. It hurts. Yeah. 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 It hurts. It hurts much, much harder. It hurts and it's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've had, I've done artist artist a couple times um, what was it like? What was the feedback like? It was great. You know, and in no way, shape or form is this like an ad or anything. I try and be as non-biased as possible. But like, I, I had a really good experience because again, I had, I haven't done it in a while and I'm excited to keep to do it again. I did it when I was with my former agent, who is a lovely person, but just would never give feedback. So I'm kind of like craving that feedback. Mm-hmm. So this was this artist artist was literally the, you were the first people to give me self tape feedback. Cool. Great. So cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. So cool and tangible feedback. And yeah, I had, I, I, coming from a science background, I loved, I was like, I love getting my score. And I was like, <laughs> literally, that means nothing. But it was just so great to have the comments being like, I like this, 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 this. And then the people who, um, critiqued or whatever, me were like, here are things you can work on. Here's some, t- like you were saying, here are some technical things you can change. Yeah. I was like, thank you. Cause yeah. you know, I think a lot of times we get the feedback of you're great. Good job. Yeah. Not helpful. <laughs> like I, I can, I can, I can handle it and I want constructive criticism, Yeah, which is exactly what it was. My experience was with artist artists. So I thank you for doing what you're doing. It is so valuable and appreciated. And I think hopefully more people will check it out, especially my vintage. Yeah. The the hardest thing is getting the word out, right? Like really it is. And, and to be able to say, actually, this is not a scam. Like this is, you know, it's not a scam. scam. We're not, we're not, you know, like this is legit and we're trying to, you know, look all the people, look at the casting directors there. They, there's no way that they would put their name on this. If this look at all the panel, like these are working professional actors in the field. Like they want to help. And we want to help. I, 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 I want to be helped. <laughs> I want feedback. 
are looking forward to coming up this year. Besides, obviously, the big, huge showcase that will be already done by the time this airs, but there'll be more coming. Yeah, well, the thing, the big change that's happened with Artist Artists is that we went cross, we're going cross Canada now instead of just Toronto, Vancouver. So it's going to be everything combined. So we've got casting directors that are going to be represented in every showcase moving forward from Vancouver and from Toronto and from another part of Canada. So uh, uh, this month or September, it's going to be Rhonda Fizeki uh, from Cal- uh, from Calgary. Um, and she's super lovely. I, I don't know if you have any connection to her, but she was uh, a teacher. Uh, she's She's done workshops and she loves teaching. Um, and she has been in the industry for like 25 years. Anyway, we've got like a, a ton of casting directors involved, like Candace Elzinga, who's been around since forever. Uh, Jason Knight in Toronto, who has come on. Yeah. who's come on recently. And I've never met Jason. I've only spoken with him on, on the phone and stuff, but he seems so great. Um, and the feedback that, uh, that the actors got from the, meeting with him after the last Toronto showcase was fantastic. And uh, yeah, so Corinne Clark, Sharon Forrest is actually uh, going to do this showcase, the September showcase, which is great in Toronto. Um, so there are, you know, a lot of people kind of involved and it's always kind of emerging or, 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 or building. Um, and, uh, and it's great. It's fun to be part of. Um, so we're doing that, uh, that cross Canada idea. And so the, the top 10, if you get in the top 10, you get to choose which casting director you want to meet most. So if it's a casting director from your city, awesome. It's a casting director outside your city. Great. Um, and then, uh, and then I've got some other ideas with artist to artist that I think I'm going to start working on. They're really at their kind of infancy kind of idea right now so i don't want to i don't really reveal too much or talk about it but it's 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 kind of yeah it's going to be an interesting uh uh addition to what we currently do um and uh and other than that you know it's it's me kind of keeping on going on with acting um and uh auditioning all the self just did one yesterday you know got another one due on monday uh you know there's always work to be done in that regard. And, uh, hopefully that work is, um, exciting and I find a way for it to feed me like it once had, (laughs) uh, that's kind of my goal right now. And I think I'm, I think I'm getting there. One of the things that I, I discovered that might help that with someone listening out there is to actually use different readers. Don't get, don't get settled into one reader all the time. Um, because a new reader will always give you a little bit of a, a kick of life and just newness. And so, you know, that, that 20%, that 20% new, that 20% chaos can sometimes come from that new reader. So, you know, maybe the idea that I was talking about to artists, artists have something to do with that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Watch this space. Yeah. Stay tuned for more. Maybe by the time this is broadcast. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any final words of wisdom? This has been filled with words of wisdom, but any final words of advice or wisdom or uh, stories to share from your time, from your acting life? Don't forget the beginner mind, you know, uh, in, enjoy this work. Um, enjoy the play of it. Remember that it should be fun. Um, 
and and gravitate towards those things and those people that that allow you to experience that joy and that fun and that wonder that can come with this and move slowly and cautiously away from those that don't Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Kurt, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for taking it upon yourself to recognize the lack of interaction we Canadian actors have with casting directors and building a platform for us to be able to do that. Like, thank you for that. If any of you are interested in taking part in the Artist to Artist Showcase, again, this is not an ad. This is just an incredible platform for people to use that I have used myself and had a great experience with it. The website is below, and they will be having a showcase coming up, I'm told, within the next month or so. I'll make sure to let you know when that opens up. But again, it's the Artist to Artist Showcase. And thank you again, Kurt, for developing this incredible platform and sharing your story with me and with us. I hope you'll all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!